Today's scripture reading is from John 13, verses 31 to 35. So, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now, if the Son, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let me uh, first welcome uh, Pastor Frank uh, to our congregation. Welcome. Welcome virtually, as these are the times that we are in. I did receive a, a bio to, uh, to introduce you. It was uh, so lengthy, I didn't know how to cut it down. So first, I would like to apologize if I uh, mess it up. <laughs> if I, uh, so uh, that was not me, so I didn't mess it up yet. Okay, so, um, but I, I would like to say that uh, um, I, I first had to read the bio and I saw, oh, oh, we just passed by Wisconsin. I go, oh no, that's not Wisconsin, that's West Indies. And, uh, and so I'll start there by Pastor Frank. Pastor Frank was uh, born in the island nation of St. Kitts and Nevis, uh, West Indies. Of course, I don't know where that exactly is. I had to Google map it uh, when I first looked at it. And uh, he migrated to the Bronx, uh, which we're happy for those of us who, who, uh, who are uh, Yankee fans, where now he is one of us. We feel like uh, he, he, is, uh, he can be considered a friend. Uh, he surrendered um, to, the, uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ in December of 1992 and became a member of uh, the Bronx Baptist Church. And uh, this is the part where, you know, really it speaks to, to us and, and just uh, hearing how he uh, was a part of that church for so many years, mentored under his pastor, uh, Pastor Dr. Samuel G. Simpson, for many many years, um, and uh, you know the, the late uh, Dr. Simpson, and and since then he has uh, he is leading at the church of his church, Bronx Baptist Church, as well as uh, Wake Eden Community Baptist Church, uh, two churches uh, for that matter. Right, um, he is uh, very active locally. He served as uh, three served three terms on the executive board of the Baptist Convention of New York. Uh, he served as a state director of the Black Church Leadership Network of New York from 2010 to 2018. Uh, he currently serves as the first vice president of the Clergy Coalition of the 47th Precinct. Um, he served as the interim executive director of the of uh, MNYBA, uh, for all of us who know the organization from 2007 to 2009. And uh, uh, he has served on his denomination Committee on Nominations, Committee on Committees, and African American Advisory Council to the Southern Baptist CEO. And he currently serves as the Vice President of the National African American Fellowship. And uh, for all those who are in ministry, we know that this could not be possible without his wife, Tisha, has been married uh, since 2006. And his three children has, uh, has the best first initial ever, Timothy, Tiffany, and Trinity, all T's in his life. Um, his life verse is Philippians 1, 21. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So let us welcome Pastor Frank and let us listen to what God has prepared for us today. Okay, good morning, good morning. I trust that everyone can hear me clearly. It is so good to be with you uh, today, uh, celebrating with you your 26th anniversary. 
Let me begin by acknowledging uh, Pastor Daniel Lee, uh, my friend and colleague in the work of the ministry here in New York City. Uh, Pastor Lee and I have developed, I, I believe, just a really uh, strong friendship and relationship uh, over the past uh, few years, um, just working at Metro uh, and uh, also working together at, at the executive board at BCNY. Uh, he is someone that I've really grown to um, admire uh, in ministry and also just the candid conversations that he and I share uh, are a blessing to me. So uh, thank you, Pastor Lee, to you, uh, to your wife, and to the leaders at Compass uh, Church uh, for the invitation today. I am glad to be here with you again. Uh, this is not my first time with you. We've done a couple of retreats. Uh, together. So the Holy Spirit must be doing something that, that's a blessing to you that he has allowed me to be with you again uh, today. So happy 26th anniversary. This is a, a significant uh, milestone that you have um, continued to serve as a church for over a quarter of a century. Um, that's no small feat in New York City. That is significant and uh, the grace of God continue to abide with you. I know you are ready for the word. So let's, uh, let's get into our text today. It has already been read from the gospel according to John, uh, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. And it is simply entitled, by this, by this. So let us pray. Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, we commit this time to you. We need your help. I need your help, Holy Spirit. I can't teach this word without you. So I pray that you will continue to grant me clarity of thought, uh, cohesiveness of ideas and expression, Lord, that your people may understand what you would have them to hear and learn today. Glorify Jesus, I pray and ask in his holy name. Amen. Amen. When I began pondering what message to bring to the Compass Church family uh, on this occasion, um, praying and just asking the Holy Spirit's direction, this verse came to my thoughts. And the portion of our text that will be the focus of our talk today is verses 34 and 35. In verses 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, we recognize that this moment in Jesus's life and ministry is nearing the end for Jesus. In fact, earlier in chapter 13, we have the Passover taking place, which is the last meal that Jesus will share with his apostles. And at the Passover, uh, after the meal, uh, Judas left 
uh, to go about the business of betraying Jesus. In fact, uh, the text tells us that in verse 2 of chapter 13. And then Jesus gets down on his knees with a basin and a towel, and he begins to wash the apostles' feet. And he says to them that I am giving you an example of what you ought to do. Now, when Jesus got to uh, Peter, one of the apostles, he said, you know, Peter said, Lord, you will not wash my feet. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus says to him in verse eight, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon said, okay, then Lord, not just my feet, but everything, right? That's, that's Peter's impulsive, uh, impulsive nature. And Jesus is teaching them that I have given you this example, right? He says these words in, um, in verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and I say, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So this is the context in which, in which Jesus is speaking these words to his apostles. He just finished washing their feet. And we know that there are some uh, traditions within the Christian church where they have foot washing services as, as, uh, as, an, as a way of doing what Jesus did in this, in this particular text. Um, in other churches, we do not do that. We've never done a foot washing service in my church. But the lesson from that, um, from that experience with Jesus is, was an essential one for them to truly begin to understand what it meant to be a follower of Christ. That the washing of someone's feet, it was symbolic of, 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 of a respect for the person and an acknowledgement that as you enter into my house, that your feet were dirty and dusty from the road, let me help you by pouring some water on your feet to cleanse your feet as you enter. Now, Jesus used that foot washing moment as an example, right? An example for our salvation experience. He said, if I do not wash you, then you are not clean. Jesus uses that to share with his apostles that you need the washing that comes from the sacrifice that I am about to make in order to ensure that, you're, that you are clean and ready to be in the presence of God. So ultimately, that, that's what that means. But, 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 but Jesus is speaking to them about a condition of the heart that, is, that God requires to truly help us to function as his people among each other. And he, 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 he speaks this new commandment. He, he actually tells them, I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, we all know that they were already commanded under the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, to love the Lord. And also, again, Jesus repeats that in Matthew, to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. 
And this commandment was given to all of Israel. And Jesus repeats it as a commandment given to all the people. But in this particular verse, Jesus gives a new commandment that is for his church. It's for his church. He says to them, a new commandment I give you, that, that as I have loved you, that you love one another. This thought of loving people saturates the gospels. You cannot read the gospels and look at the ministry of Jesus without encountering a deep love for humanity. Even a cursory glance of Jesus's ministry would uncover how careful he was to demonstrate love for others. From the woman at the well who was weighed down by her own guilt and her own um, life choices that, that left her feeling ostracized in her community and, and who was shocked that Jesus being a Jew would even strike up a conversation with her being a Samaritan woman. Uh, you, 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 you see this from her to the man who was, who was lame from his mother's womb, who Jesus touched and healed and, and elevated his body and allowed him to now be able to stand, to celebrate, and to make a living for himself. You, you cannot look at the ministry of Jesus without recognizing that he truly loved people. Jesus offered people hope, second chances, third chances, other chances. He offered them forgiveness. He offered them deliverance from ungodly forces and ungodly practices that Jesus demonstrates all of this as the love of God, right? We see that very clearly in John 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We see that in Romans chapter five, uh, verse, verse eight, that God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. And so the ministry of Jesus is all about demonstrating the love of God to humanity. And here Jesus now, after calling his apostles to himself and after calling disciples to himself, those who would be his followers, he says to them, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. Jesus did not just say love one another. Jesus did not say, I want you to treat each other well. And the first lesson I wanted to, to point out to us today is lesson number one, as I have, as I have. Those are Jesus's words. A new commandment I give you, that as I have loved you, so you love one another. Now that is a tall order for any of us, right? Um, we, we try our best to love our family members, our, our spouse, our parents, our siblings. And if the truth be told, sometimes we have challenges even within our families demonstrating love for one another. Ultimately, we do know that we love our family deeply and only in the most extreme of circumstances are we estranged from our relatives and our families. And it, it really has to be a significant situation to strain those relationships. 
But Jesus is speaking now about not just loving family members. He's speaking about loving each other as the body of Christ, as the people of God who are fellowshipping with one another um, within the community of faith. And he says, as I have loved you, so you love one another. Well, how did Jesus demonstrate his love for his disciples? Well, one of the things that Jesus did is he taught them. He taught them. Jesus spent time with them. He mentored his apostles. He showed, he showed them love by spending time with them, teaching them about God the Father, teaching them about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them how to look at their neighbors as an extension of God's love, as, as they are an extension of God's love to their neighbors. Jesus taught his people to care for those who were broken, for those who were forgotten, for those who were left out. There, 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 there are so many instances in the gospel where Jesus took an opportunity to share with them what it looks like to care for someone. Jesus also empowered them, right? Jesus gave it all away. He, he, he empowered people. He, he, he did not try to hold on to power or position for himself alone. In fact, for his disciples in, um, in, in, in Luke chapter 9 and also in Luke chapter 10, we are told of the, the specific instance where Jesus called them together, right? In chapter 9, it was the twelve. Apostles in chapter 10, it was 70 other followers, and he gave them power and authority to go out to heal the sick, to preach the kingdom of God, and to even and, and to even speak in his name to demonic forces that would try to disrupt the work of ministry and keep the people bound in their sins and in their illnesses. And Jesus said, Go out in my authority and, and do this. He shared his power with them. Jesus shared his anointing with them. He shared his glory with them. In fact, in John uh, chapter 16 and chapter 17, Jesus tells them that as he, as he prays, he says, Father, the glory with which you gave me, I give to them that they may be one just as you and I, Father, are one. Jesus gives his glory, and by that, he is indicating that the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon my church, and they will be empowered by God the Holy Spirit to be as one people. Jesus left people feeling improved after they departed from his presence. Think of the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, who, who, who was brought to Jesus by these men. Among them were, were, were leaders of the religious community, and they had stones in their hands ready to, 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 to give her the just punishment of the law and put her to death. Certainly, they did not bring the male, right? Only the woman. Uh, perhaps an indicator uh, of, of some of their practices that were not truly distributed equally across the genders. 
and they bring this woman to Jesus and, 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 and they said, Lord, she was caught in adultery and, and the law says we should stone her. And Jesus finally looks up at them after ignoring them for a little while and says, he who is without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And from the oldest among them to the youngest, they dropped the stones and departed. And he lifted the woman up and said, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. Jesus, he leaves people feeling uplifted as he says to her, go and sin no more. He empowered them to trust in God. Jesus, Jesus loved his disciples and he taught them how to treat others and now he says to them to love one another and to and to demonstrate this love to each other as i have demonstrated this love to you you see what 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 i've discovered both in my own personal journey with god and and reading the scripture and, and reading about the journey of, of churches and believers, what I have seen is that over time of us walking in fellowship with God and walking in the life of ministry, the thing that is at risk of fading away, if we are not careful, it is our capacity to love one another. It is our capacity to tolerate each other, our capacity to, um, to, to encourage one another and to fight against the momentum and the urge to be judgmental toward others. Now, why do I say this? Well, if you would look at some of the stories that I've already mentioned to you, uh, one of the challenges that the religious leaders had uh, during the time of Jesus was they often got the technicalities of the law right, but they kept missing the heart of God. They would get the technicalities right. So Jesus would go into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he would heal a man. Now, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He had all authority to do that. And certainly they could not discern that Jesus was the son of God, even though they were other average people who, who began to say among themselves that this man must be a prophet. This man, this man must be the Messiah. And Jesus did not even have to say that for the ordinary people to begin to discern that. Even that woman at the well uh, who I just mentioned to you, she said, sir, I, I take it you must be a prophet. We are told that that one will eventually come who is the Messiah. How is she figuring this out but these learned people were unable to discern that Jesus is the one. Well, you see, their hearts had grown cold and calloused and far from God. They, they understood the text. They understood the word and, and they could articulate it. They can tell others where they are wrong, where they are wrong. But they found it challenging to truly love others. And so often people would leave their presence feeling guilty and, 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 and knowing where they went wrong, but not feeling any closer or more connected with God. Jesus began teaching his followers 
to truly love people first. You begin with love. You begin with respect. And you allow the Holy Spirit through the word of God to bring people to the places of surrender, to bring people to the places of transformation and redemption and the grace of salvation. And because he taught them that, he says, now you as my people, as my followers, as my disciples, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. The second lesson I would like to share is not only did Jesus want his followers to love each other as he has loved them, right? As I have loved you, do this to one another. But he also indicated that this is the distinguishing factor of the believers. And that's lesson number two, that by this, all will know. By this, he says it there in verse 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Wow, this new commandment for loving each other within the context of the church family of the body of Christ. This is what is going to, to show the world that, that, that we are your disciples. Jesus is saying yes to us. This is reminiscent for me for the words of the words of Paul the apostle who continues this teaching by the leading of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 13, where he pens these words. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Paul the apostle says, we can do all the good things. We can make so many sacrifices. We can even give our life sacrificially for the gospel, but have not love. I am Nothing. God is serious about us learning to love one another. God is serious about this work of the heart called love. What does it mean to love? Jesus says, as I have loved you. And when you look at that example of what Jesus has done, that ultimately that led to his sacrifice on the cross for our sin, sins and the redemption of humanity for all who would believe. Now, Paul the apostle now says that even if I gave my body to be burned and have not love, in other words, they are, they are things that we can do as fellow believers for one another that are not motivated by love. It can be motivated by how it makes me look, how others Think about me, my reputation, um, what others say about me. It could be motivated by 
many things. Paul the apostle reminds the church in Corinth and he reminds us that God desires that our heart is motivated by love. Oh, I tell you now, this is, this is easier said than done, right? As a pastor who serves within the context of the church, I may, must make sure that I am being motivated by, by a love in my heart. And I tell you with all honesty and transparency that learning to love people is a journey that Jesus commands it, but that command, it takes time for that to mature and to materialize in our hearts and in our journey. And I tell you that that is one of the challenges that churches, we face that as the body of Christ as time goes on. You see, sometimes in the very beginning, in the, in the formative years of a ministry or a relationship, Man, it's easy to feel in love, to stay in love, to, to, to express love to one another. But it is as the years go by that the love is tested so that we understand that love is demonstrated out of a commitment to God and not always out of some sentiment that you feel. This love that God desires for us to share with one another is a love that will be our primary witness and the distinguishing factor that we are the church, the body of Christ to the watching world. Jesus said, by this, they will know that you are my disciples. Christians, we should exemplify love in a way that reflects the way Jesus demonstrated love to others. It does not make sense if you are going to serve others and at the same time make them feel subservient to you, right? Oh, that, 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 that can happen. That can happen. Any system that serves a people, but at the same time enables them to remain needy is a broken system. Right? Look at what Jesus did. Jesus lifted people. He empowered them, he even sending the Holy Spirit upon his apostles and his disciples that they may be endued with the power of God to be his witnesses in the earth and to eventually learn to love each other. And they were challenged. They were challenged. Let me share two of those challenges quick, quickly with you the, uh, that the early church had. We first see this in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter six, in Acts chapter six, we have the, the story of those um, widows of the, they call them the Hellenists or the Greek widows among the Jews, uh, the Hebrew people who were being left out and neglected in the daily distribution. And the information, the, the knowledge of this came to the apostles and the apostles said, listen, choose six men from among you, seven men from among you who are of good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit that they may deal with this. These widows were being left out and sometimes they just felt that they were not being treated equally. There wasn't that feeling of being loved within that community. And, 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 and the, the apostles had to address this in order to ensure that the systems were being equally, was being, um, was being 
um, the, the system was operating equally for all those who were among that fellowship of believers. Another instance is Acts chapter 10. Peter the apostle uh, receives a revelation from God about going uh, to, the, to the house of a man named Cornelius, that these men were going to come. And prior to that, a part of that vision that Peter received was that he should rise and kill this, this, this cloth, this, this tablecloth full of unclean animals. And, and he says, no, Lord, I shall not eat anything or touch anything that's unclean. And God reveals to Peter, what I have cleansed, you must not call common. And he sends Peter into the house of a Gentile man. And Peter's first words when he reached that Gentile man's house was, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or to go into the house of one of another nation. Peter was still holding on to that cultural bias, to that prejudice that, that was so innate to his culture against the, 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 this Roman centurion named Cornelius, right? And, 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 and in addition to that, the Jews were under, being colonized under Roman authority. So they, there wasn't a very good sense of relationship anyway to begin with. And here Jesus sends Peter to Cornelius's house. Cornelius becomes a believer. All of his household is saved. And Peter now has to go back to the other church leaders and explain to them how dare he go into the house of a Gentile. The love of Jesus breaks down barriers that are not just within our own comfort zones, among our own people groups, but he breaks down those barriers among those who are different from us, who are from different places, who look differently than us. And he says to us as his church, you have the unique opportunity to demonstrate my love that people will know that you are my followers by the way you treat one another. This is your distinguishing factor. So what, what is God saying to you, Compass Church family? What is the spirit of God speaking? I believe that as the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us that we ought to forgive one another, that the spirit of God is constantly reminding us that we ought to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. I want to read one last text for you. Paul the apostle writes to the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter three, and this is what he says there, read in verse 12, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Colossians chapter three, verse 12, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Wow. This is a new commandment that Jesus has given to his people, that we love one another. Love does no harm 
to a neighbor. Listen, if you have wronged someone, go, repent, ask them to forgive you. Humble yourself, humble your heart. Whether you are a leader, whether you are a parishioner, whether it's a relative or, or someone that you may not know very well, humble ourselves. Make sure that the bond of love remains intact. Maybe because of your experiences in life, you have a challenging time demonstrating love to others and feeling love uh, for, uh, toward others. Ask the Spirit of God to help you with that. Ask the Spirit of God to help break down those barriers in your experiences. And, and sometimes we have some real uh, tough traumas in our life that, that, that hinder us. And the Spirit of God knows that. And he sends a word. He sends opportunity. He will send that one relationship, that one friendship that will help bring us out of our shell that we can begin to exchange what it looks like to love each other in Christ. The church ought to be a safe community where we can love one another. And when that safety is compromised because of, 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 of an unloving act by someone else, that act must be dealt with um, within the context of the church family and it must be dealt with with clarity. It must be dealt with by holding people accountable and responsible, but at the end, ultimately, there, there, there needs to be repentance and forgiveness. But that is what God has called his church to do. It is God's intent to be glorified in the world. And somehow, somehow, he looks to us as his children to be the representative to the world that God is present among us. And today, Compass Church, after 26 years of fellowship and ministry, I want to encourage your hearts with this word. Continue to love one another. Don't let your love fade. Don't get, don't get lost. Don't get lost in the, in, the, in the work of ministry to the extent where you forget that your distinguishing factor is love. That's what's going to be your witness to others. It's how you treat one another. Don't lose that. Continue to cultivate that. Continue to allow that to rise in your midst and attract people to you. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter six, right? I'm getting carried away now, guys. Right, right in Luke chapter six, Jesus says to them, wow, some serious stuff here, right? Love your enemies, right? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Now, Jesus is not talking about other believers here. He's speaking about people who don't even know God, who don't even trust in Jesus. And he's telling us as believers to love enemies, to bless those who curse us, pray for those who despitefully use us. How much more does he want us to love one another and to treat each other with the grace with which he has treated us? And he even said, even the heathen love one another. Even those who are, are wicked have those who, who they love and who love them. 
and as my children, as my people, if you do not love those who do not love you, are you better than them who do not know God? These are challenging words. And these are words that have challenged me in my journey as a Christian and in my journey as a pastor. And today, I hope that these words challenge your heart. And I want to pray for you. And I want to pray with you. And if God is speaking to your heart about a broken relationship, and, and you know, um, I'm fully aware that, that, that there's some relationships that are so damaged that it may never get back to what it was. And the goal sometimes, unless it's a married couple or a close family, you know, the goal may not be to get the relationship back to where it was, but to, to let go of animosity, to let go of hate, to let go of bitterness, to let go of wrath, to let go of that. If you are in that place and you need to forgive someone today, I want to pray for you. Maybe you get all the doctrinal points right, but somehow in your presence, people feel, uh, people don't feel uplifted. People don't feel that, that love. They, they, they just feel wrong. And the spirit of God is speaking to your heart about that. Let me pray with you. Or maybe you've been challenged in your journey uh, where you, you've just had experiences in your heart and in your life that has made it challenging for you to demonstrate love to others. And you're saying, God, I need your help with this. Let me pray with you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your people. For those who, God, are experiencing a challenge in some way in this area of loving others. Maybe loving others who are different from them, from a different culture, a different nationality, a different race. a different area, I pray, God, that you will, you will minister to their hearts. Pray, God, that you will give them strength, give them comfort. I pray that, Spirit of God, that you will lift them from that place as you did the early church leaders and the early church followers and disciples. Continue to lift them, Lord. Lift us, Father that we might learn, continue to learn to love one another. I pray that you will continue to bless Pastor Lee, his leadership team, and all the members of this family, the younger ones and the older ones alike. Help them, Lord, to learn to respect and to love one another in ways that will continue to demonstrate who you have called us to be within this church family. I commit them to you. May the evil one have no dominion over them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.